Hi, and welcome back to the 30-Minute CMO Podcast. I'm Gorsha Huchua. Today's episode is the continuation of our conversation with the customer service guru, Ty Givens. Ty is the founder and CEO of The Workforce Pro, a customer experience consultancy that helps small and medium-sized businesses set up and scale their CX operations. On today's show, we will ask Ty some of your questions about preparing for the holiday shopping season, scaling your CX team as you grow, and how to master Zendesk. We hope you enjoy the show. As the business owner um, helping these other brands, um, you must have felt you know, initially terrified when COVID hit like everyone else did, like what is gonna happen next? When COVID hit, I was terrified. Companies that were previously oriented in their entirety, almost to maybe brick and mortar operations, um, are now finding themselves having to rethink not just how they sell, but also how they service. The phone wouldn't stop ringing because there are so many companies, as you had mentioned, that went from being brick and mortar to now having to create this behind the scenes experience that they have no clue about. What would be your sort of Thai's top tip for um, preparing for the holidays from a CX standpoint? There should be lots of conversations between product marketing and CX around what's happening. And it has to be like, everyone has to be open to hearing pushback. I wanted to roll back a little bit, uh, back to your experience side, and before we sort of jump into some of the questions we've had from people and uh, that we kind of want to pick your brain on a little bit more, but um, we talked about how you started the business and then we, we went heavy into the theory of um, customer experience, but I guess there was the pre-2020, uh, you know, the business you were running and then there was the reality starting with COVID. So I'm, I was curious, and we were curious to ask you, what was business like before COVID and did it change after the pandemic? And how large of a shift do you think um, it was? I mean, I'm sure it did change. Uh, the reason we ask is because we are seeing clearly this wholesale shift to e-commerce. And so companies that were previously oriented in their entirety, almost to maybe brick and mortar operations, um, are now finding themselves having to rethink not just how they sell, but also how they service. And um, we'd love to hear from your experience, both for your company and for you and for the customers and clients that you service and help, um, what that change was like. Yeah, so I feel, okay, when COVID hit, I was terrified because this year had Last year was a challenge. We were still building things like, you know, you have ups and downs as an entrepreneur. And this year was really, really solid. And then COVID and I said, oh my gosh, what does this mean? What, what should I be doing right now? And what was really, I don't even know how to describe it, is the phone wouldn't stop ringing because there are so many companies, as you had mentioned, that went from being brick and mortar to now having to create this behind the scenes experience that they have no clue about. Um, E-commerce businesses saw spikes and they didn't have have enough resources to handle the work. They didn't know how to get those people trained. They didn't know like how to coach, mentor, develop, how to hold them accountable. 
So for us, we saw a huge uptick in uh, demand for the services that we offer because we do do all of those things all the time. So um, that for us, that was that actually we were able to help educate quite a few clients on you know how to operate in this new world that that we're living in. Uh, the businesses that we saw that really did well. And I still don't know exactly why, but, um, and maybe you guys will know, but, uh, well, one of them I do know for sure, like um, in the health industry or wellness industry, I should say, um, natural products, um, foods that are good for you, uh, mixes, um, cleanses, things like that. Those businesses really started to take off. Um, and then the other uptick I saw was in the beauty industry um, where, and I, and I was like, well, no one's going anywhere. So I don't, I don't know what it is, but I saw beauty really take off. Um, and, um, and so those were the clients that kind of filled our roster, uh, when COVID first hit and we helped to turn them into, um, e-commerce teams, help find leadership for them, help them get the right foundation. And they're doing really, really great. They're doing really great. As you've, you know, as, as the business owner, um, helping these other brands, um, you must have felt, you know, initially terrified when COVID hit, like everyone else did. Like, what is going to happen next? Exactly. But as they started calling you, as the phone started ringing, how did you um, manage to scale your business to keep up with demand um, in order to, you know, keep everyone else um, keeping up with demand? So I have a team of four, including myself, actually. And um, I added one more person on to help out occasionally when needed. But it was, it was just a continued push to systemize. So that, and that's what I teach my clients. So I'm literally just doing for my company what I teach my clients to do, which is you shouldn't have to, your, your processes shouldn't break when your customer base doubles. Mm -hmm. And our processes didn't break because we, I built the foundation that would be able to support the scale. So, you know, um, some of it would be staggering start dates um, to make sure that we, we don't onboard and offboard in the same week. If we do that, because those are the busiest weeks, so we just won't do it. We won't onboard and offboard a client in the same week. Um, and also we mixed up the, um, the portfolio of services that we offered. So if we were on a really large project, then we knew that we couldn't start another really large project for another couple of weeks or so. And that was just to make sure that we could uphold the quality in. Because I am, as I tell my clients, I don't believe in throwing people at problems. Um, I'm looking for ways that we can fix things with what you have and fix things for less. So in order to do that, I have to, I had to do that myself. So, you know, um, be very strategic about how we offered engagements, be very transparent about what was available or not available. Um, and then at the same time, listen to my team and give them work that fed them. So one of the things that came out of this was like, we needed to, like, I kept saying, I have to dump a lot of stuff out of my brain and turn it into trainings and on-demand things so that if we can't take on a new client for a custom engagement, they can still get some help and as close to real time as possible. I also opened up real time, like ad hoc meetings and, and I put it on my website and said, okay, if you just have a question or you just want me to walk you through something and that hour is available, it's yours, just book it. 
So we got creative. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we got creative. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned this, um, you touched on this a little bit, but um, can you speak just a little bit more on um, evolving your offering uh, during this time? Because it feels mm -hmm. like, uh, even speaking from personal experience, the things that I, uh, we thought we were interested in prior to March aren't the things, aren't the only things we're interested in now. Yeah. Well, you know, we had to listen to where people were, right? So um, depending on like, what is your pain point? Most of our clients get an immediate fix or immediate relief when we overhaul their ticketing systems. That one is very, like bank for your buck, quick impact, shorten your response times. And you can do that in about four weeks time. And that is super, super, super impactful. Um, the other thing I think is, is impactful is um, e-learnings so that when you get to the point when you need to scale your business or you need to add people you don't have to have a trainer on standby because you already have your processes and information documented so that they can jump in and learn right then and there so we started to think about it from the and, and those are that um the ticketing system the um e-learning and then there's also like when I would, you know, essentially kind of fill in um, along with a member of my team to help run the day to day. That's like your contact center foundation. We would um, train new leaders. So I basically would just I picked apart all the stuff that we would do and like made it like an a la carte offering, if you will, so that people could get what they needed to get the most impact in the quickest amount of time. And um, and that seemed to work really, really well because we even introduced what's called a workflow optimization because a lot of times they would say, I need help, but we don't know what we need help with. And I'm like, well, I get that. So these are the things that we can go in and look at for you. And then at the end, you get a roadmap. And once you get that roadmap, you can decide, do you want to do it or do you want us to do it? Or do you want us to do it with you? You have those choices. And a lot of times they don't want to do it. And that's totally fine. <laughs> you know, we'll jump in and take care of it for them. But um, we had to really just, you know, the, the contact center foundation was like our bread and butter. That was our, our big one. And it's not, it's not cheap, but the, the ROI that you get is over a hundred percent. So it's almost like a no brainer if you're in that space and you need it. And if you don't, then we just try to pare it down and say, okay, so if I were going from, you know, brick and mortar to e-commerce, what would I need? Okay. I probably have no idea how to communicate with customers. And you guys are, are like marketing people. I am the terrible marketer. Like it is not my thing. And I had an experience with a company and I wrote into the CEO because I was like, listen, I just paid $25 for a, a jar of juice. And, and I called, I wrote in to ask a question and the, and the girl told me to call the store and I'm going, no, you call the store. Like that's customer effort. Don't make me do more. You know, that I'm the customer. And at the end, I was like, well, yeah, I work with clean brands all the time and we can help you. And I was like, she's probably like, lady, get out of here. I'll never call you because I, I didn't approach that well, but I wasn't trying to convert her into a client. I'm just saying your experience isn't where it needs to be. If you get to the point where you need help, I can help. But she's not my strong suit. That one I'm good at. I'm operational. I can do the operation stuff. <laughs> I actually had a, a question here that I wanted to ask about your your marketing and and how you and how you do it. You you mentioned that the word of mouth is is super important for brands. Is that this whole hold true for you? 
um, like, do you get a lot of referrals? Is that your main way of, of building out your client base or you, do you do anything else with, um, with any advertising? I mean, I try my hand, but it, I'm going to be honest with you. If you guys see anything on Instagram, you might chuckle a little bit because it looks like I did it and I did. I'm not good at, <laughs> at it, right? Um, but I, I look at it as a reminder. I just don't want people to forget that we're here, right? So when you do think, oh, I need help, they might call us. That would be great. Um, but don't call us for graphic design. That's not what we do. You'll see it's not, it's not pretty, but it, it, com it communicates something. Um, but my, the biggest um, client base that we got was actually, yes, from word of mouth. And, um, and that would, to me, that to me is the win. When I, you know, early on, so I locked my, my business in November, 2016. I got my first client in December, 2016, which I think is wow. amazing, right? And then by that next year, my two of my clients, one was one of my best friends. And I, I think it says a lot when one of your best friends says, hey, I'm going to use your business because that means that she trusted that we were going to deliver because she's still one of my best friends to this day. And, you know, that kind of stuff can really screw up a relationship. Yeah. But she was a client of mine um, and we helped them in a short term. And then she found someone permanent. And then um, another of my early clients was a person that I worked with at Intuit. Um, we started in the same month and year. We ended our relationship with Intuit in the same month and year. We stayed in touch. He launched a startup and he's like, you're the first person I thought of. So I've had those experiences. And then I've had clients who have moved from company to company. And when they get to their new company, they're like, okay, we need you guys to come in um and so that's been really awesome because i i know that when they go and start over it's always like well cx is always 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 an area that needs focus and when they start in these new companies they call us and many of our clients i'm trying to think there might be one or two this year who hasn't come back through for a project they always come back through we do one they come back for another one and they like to keep us on speed dial just in case. I've had one call and say, um, so our manager um, needs some help. Things are kind of out of control. Are you available? <laughs> or, or we're gonna draw, we're gonna hire a new person. Can you onboard them? Sure. You know, so I, you know, it's really for us, it's about the relationship. And when we've worked together and they they do things for me, I do things for them. They will um, do interviews for, you know, people who want to bring us on though. I'll get CEOs from these really great companies who will take time out of their day to give us a reference. So it's been, so, it's been really amazing. And I'm so grateful for everyone. I think it, it says something about, you know, running a CX agency when you can retain that type of uh, the client, um, what it says about you as your, as a business owner, but also what about what it says about your uh, output and how much you've helped them with their CX. Uh, it's quite, quite amazing. Yeah, no, they're great. <laughs> I, um, I, I, I follow uh, you on uh, LinkedIn. And yeah. I think that one of the, one of the things from a marketing standpoint that you do that I find really valuable is um, just some of the kind of quick thoughts that you share uh, on there. And I think that in, in the age of sort of like rapid information flying around about, you know, don't do this and don't do this. I think your, your approach seems to be more like, think about doing this and think about doing this. It's like, it's just like bite-sized info that um, in the moment, you know, you know, can really help someone 
gain trust towards, you know, a person they don't know, a thought leader, um, and then hopefully convert into a lead and a customer for you. But I find that I find it valuable. I find it interesting what, what you're sharing with the community on LinkedIn. You know what, Gosha, you have no idea how much that means to hear that because I know that you are a true marketing person and that is not my gift. And the stuff that I share genuinely just comes from my heart. If I, if I see something or I'm like, you know what, let me just tell people like something that I've experienced, it genuinely just comes from that. So thank you for even noticing. I really, really, really appreciate that. No, it's uh, it's not just noticing. It's, it's, it's useful. And the authenticity, I think of your experiences, um, re- <laughs> I imagine CX is very reactive and people call you when they have problems. They're not thinking too, too far ahead. Um, I think that uh, to equip people with some of this thinking ahead of time will help them, but also help them uh, reach out to you uh, when, when, they, when they know they need help. Yeah, I'm actually like, I'm trying to help. Like one of the things that I mentioned that we help to find and place like leaders, not like as a, we're not a recruiting agency, but what I mean by that is, if you are in the place of like, hey, we need to hire a, um, a head of CX and, you know, you might not know all of the questions or terms to ask because that's not the world you live in, but that's where I live. So I'll screen the heck out of them and help you understand if they're the right fit or not the right fit and all that. Um, but in that, what happens is, especially for companies that are growing fast, they're looking for someone that's going to help them scale as well. And they get really frustrated when they go, well, you know, everyone that we're meeting, like they can't scale or you know they um they're really a lead or they're really a a frontline person but they have the manager title and i think a lot of times we try to show appreciation by giving this person a larger title than the work that they do Mm -hmm. but it actually ends up hurting them in the long run because they end up trying to they might be able to talk their way into a job but it shows very quickly that they're not a fit you know, and then we get back to that attrition thing. So now we're trying to find a person. So what I've been doing is like working with leaders, like there's two levels, CX, people who are in CX manager roles who don't really understand what a CX manager does, but kind of needs to learn on the job as they go work with them. And then the next level is people who are a little bit more seasoned senior managers, directors who are like, how do I get to the next level? How do I show proof of concept that I'm ready? to move on? What should I be doing? So working with them. So I really like, and that's just me on my own because I'm passionate about it. Wanting to see people like grow and develop. And I want to see that. So I'm like, well, I'm going to start taking it. I want to make them look good. So I love working with someone and like, no, this is what you're going to go tell them. Mm-hmm. This is how you're going to say it and seeing them get the results that they want. That's, that feeds me. That's awesome. Well, actually, I want to expand on uh, on sort of the theme we just start, started down on by uh, maybe more in like a sort of rapid fire way. Um, ask uh, a few questions around best practices that we've uh, that we've gotten questions about, and uh, majority of the people that are asking these questions are small business owners and are probably dealing with many of the issues and challenges that you come in and help with. And so, uh, I guess the first one, keeping with the theme of what we're dealing with this new reality, a lot of the businesses are switching to e-commerce and their customer care teams are starting to reorient themselves to online purchases, holidays. 
We're entering a season that we have never entered before in a way that we've never entered before. It's going to be longer. It's probably going to be much more frustrating with shipping delays. There's going to be a whole lot of stuff that businesses are trying to figure out that they will just not figure out in time. So what would be your sort of ties top tip for um, preparing for the holidays from a CX standpoint? Okay, this is funny. I, I actually did. I literally am launching it a six-week program that starts on the 12th and ends the Friday before Black Friday that just focuses on this. Okay. So the main things that you need to do is you need to know what you need. And I know that sounds silly to say, but how many people are you going to need to satisfy the customer base that you have? 99% of the time, you're not going to get that. So what's your contingency plan when you don't? The main thing is proactive communication, right? Um, so I worked for a, a big e-commerce company and we had a daily forecast of order volume. I also knew the number of orders that could be processed at the warehouse on a daily basis. So what would happen is I would just quickly do the math. We're expecting 10,000 orders, always much more than that, but let's just say 10,000 orders, they have capacity for 8,000. 2,000 of those orders aren't going to get packed to the next day. Who are those people? Communicate to them. There's a delay in your order being packed. So sorry for the inconvenience. Save 10% on your next order, right? Because it just saves you time for them calling in to ask you. Preemptive. Yep. Hey, where's my order? So just be proactive about it. And so, um, and I think that that's going to be the name of the game this season is proactiveness. Um, and then uh, not having to like, contact you, that's reducing effort. Um, making it to where if there's something that needs to get done, you work there and you're owning it and not them, that's mm -hmm. going to make the difference. Because from my understanding, a lot of businesses are not going to be able to offer deep, deep discounts. So they have to find different ways to be able to be competitive in this space. And I think that that will help. So just focus on making it easy for them and being very proactive and like giving that white glove, high touch service, um, especially to make up for the fact that you probably can't knock 50% off of retail right now. Right. Just think ahead, especially if you're going to be shipping things. A lot of times um, we try to say, oh, you know, if you order by this date, then we'll send it by this date. And that sounds great, but that's not always realistic. And, and a lot of times because CX is an afterthought, nobody's thinking about the fact that we're the ones who has to deal with all the angry customers when they don't get what, they, what they've been promised, right? So um, you also should be proactive about make goods um, and already have that documented and know what you're going to do when, have a clear escalations plan. Um, there should be lots of conversations between product marketing and CX mm -hmm. around what's happening. And it has to be, like everyone has to be open to hearing pushback, you know, um, let your CX team members test your coupon codes because, you know, when those codes don't work, we're the ones who get the contact. So open up that line of communication. Um, what else would I say to do? Those are, those are some of the, I think those are pretty good. Those are some of the things that I would say to really focus on. Um, is just making sure, and then be, be aware, like create subject matter experts within your team. Um, my team, we build for our clients what we call a resource center. It's just an internal help desk. It could be an internal wiki or internet or whatever you want to call it. But it's a place where we just, it's like a beacon of truth. It's all the information that they need to know. So when there's a promotion, when there's a sale, um, if something is amiss, like we put all that information in there and they kind of use that as their source to just kind of search for things. And we also put a lot of how-to documentation because remember, you're scaling a team to come in 
um, fast and they need to learn fast. And if you don't already have an e-learning, get an e-learning, right? So that you don't have to worry about it. But you want to be able to teach them how to do the work fast. And if they forget something, give them a resource to get the answers fast as well. I like that uh, that that point you made about be proactive with um, with make goods. I feel like that is such a easy way to make someone's bad experience better and have them not want to do something and escalate it. I feel like I've had this you know, many times. You you get your you get you know your shipping is is supposed to be shipping on a certain date, get to you by a certain date. You get an email that says, "Yeah, sorry, it's not gonna it's not shipped yet, um, and it'll be late." But here is here is a discount. You're like, oh, that's annoying. But okay, cool. And then and that's it. And you go on with your day. You don't get frustrated. If, if you didn't have that, you'd be like, oh, come on. Well, why did you put a shipping date or arrival date when it's not going to actually work? And like, why? I'm never ready from ever again. It's just like it's an easy way to be like, you're not trying to make someone fight you to get a discount. And yeah. I feel like that is like discounts are like the 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 very end of a of a fight with with a with a customer in order to make them stop complaining at you. So what else though? Like think about it. 10% proactively goes a long way because it's a kind gesture. It's an insult if you have to call in and and curse at them and get 10%. And then what I would always teach the teams that I've helped, I go, what is 10% on someone who's going to come back through the door? What's 20% on someone who's going to come back in the door? It's worse if they say, you know what, I'm never going to shop with you again. And you could have saved them by taking $2.10 off their order. Just do it. We're going to all be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think getting back to um, scaling, I wanted to circle back to this. And uh, the question we had was, how do you, as a small startup, um, maybe you've been in existence for a year, maybe two. Uh, you have a very wide glove operation where maybe the CEO is even involved still. Um, so as these startups are growing, how do you how do you scale it? How do you maintain that wide glove approach? Maybe how, you started alluding to like putting the right structure in place, and maybe it's sort of expanding a little bit on that. You know, the sort of like the rank and file. And then mm-hmm. the people who are no longer able to do customer care, you know, not the CEO, not the director of business development. So how do you start figuring that out? So this is going to be a very unpopular opinion. Your first hire should be someone who's got experience um, in some sort of leadership for CX. If you're at that point, let me not say your first hire. When you're at that point of like, we're getting ready to scale, invest in good leadership. It's going to save you a ton of money later. And the reason why I say that is if you get a good solid leader in place who understands how, how the systems work, who understands how to hire the people, they're going to be able to save you money on configuration. You won't be throwing people at problems. They're going to help you document things because they know and understand. Um, that hire is going to take you really, really, really far. So what I would also recommend is literally document everything and give your team an image of the person who your company is in real life. So for example, like there's somebody in the company where the way that they speak, the way that they communicate with someone, um, their behavior, they are the company, right? And you have to extract that out and put that into your team members very early. It is so hard to turn around even a team of 10 than it is to hire 10 people in 
with a clear expectation. So you want to tell them, like, here's how we operate. Here's how we view our customer. Um, and then bring that in. And then you want to find the right systems and tools and invest in that. Okay. Because you, if you invest in your systems and you invest in your tools and you get them set up properly, they will work for you. You'll need less people. So a lot of times what happens is you panic because you grow and you're like, I need to hire more people. And then now you've got a team of 10 and your stuff's all broken. And then by the time it gets repaired, you go, Oh shoot, I only needed six. Now what am I going to do? <laughs> You know, um, so like, don't throw money at that problem. And then if you're like in a place where you're, you're just not sure, find an expert to help guide you to say, listen, I've had, I had, had someone reach out to us and I said, don't spend the money on us, go hire a manager, right? Because it makes sense for you to have somebody who's their hands-on who's going to start building for you than for you to come to us for us to fix problems you haven't even seen yet. They'll come, they'll come later. They'll come yeah, later. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and a quick question on that, just to build on that. Uh, a lot of times I hear um, startups saying like, oh, we'll just get Zendesk, like as, yeah. as, as sort of, you know, like as customer care sold. And I think Zendesk sort of positions themselves as sort of like that check, you know, yep. obviously not true, right? Well, okay. Here's the thing with Zendesk, right? Um, the first time I worked with Zendesk, I, abso I absolutely hated it like hated it, wanted to pick it up and throw it out the window because it is so, there's so many parts. And the first question is like, how do I use this? How do I do customer service with Zendesk? That's the question that people ask all the time. I know I should have it because they've done a great job at telling you you should have it, but how do you use it, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know how to leverage it, right? There are certain views you should have, like just to give you guys some, some tidbits, um, you should have a view that shows your, of course, your new tickets should be separate. Your open tickets should be separate. Um, and you need to be able to see your open tickets, whether or not they're assigned, right? Because if they're not assigned, then there's no one to catch those. Um, you need open over 24 hours. You need to be able to see what's on hold and you need to automate the responses for your pending, right? And so the workflow that we teach our team is to actually work, and we use a tool, depending on the, how complicated or how busy the company is, we might tell them to automate the assignment of the tickets. So we'll tell the team, you work your tickets first. Tickets that are assigned to you, work your tickets first. Go into, and this is gonna sound very different than what you've probably ever heard before, open tickets over 24 hours. The reason why is that open ticket is one that's likely already received a response from someone on your team. So, you know, hi, Gosh, I need help today. And you write back to me you're like, hey, Ty, glad to help. That ticket comes to me as open and it's sitting, right? Now, if I'm only focused on working new tickets, my message is the message from you. It's just sitting there. Mm -hmm. And so I teach the team to reply to the customers a lot faster in that open um, message box and try to get them through. The other thing is to set up and use your help center. I've made the mistake of not using the help center um, and it's, it's just not smart. That's part of the sell and part of the beauty of it is that integrated unified experience where you have the live chat and you have the emails and you can show them the articles. That actually drives down volume. So I, I spoke to a client today. I'm pretty darn good at forecasting contacts, right? Like this is kind of like my thing. I got a background in workforce management. Like I think I'm the bee's knees. And then today I kind of laughed at myself because it was so bad. So I look at the forecast and for just for the last week, 
Um, month to date, I'm at 4%, but last week was at 51%. And I was like, how the heck did I miss like that? Well, live chat wasn't on last week. So you can see just how live chat not being on can cause an influx in your inbound tickets because people would have normally gotten that help in real time and that would not have had to be a ticket. And now it does. So you have to find, um, you, it, it does, then that's will work. It will work for you. You just have to know how to make it work. And that's- these are, I can tell you right now who, who to those who, is, who are listening, this, these are some top tips. This is, this is, this is not, this is not cheap advice you're getting here. This is some good value for the money. <laughs> Thanks, Nosha. <laughs> It's, this is it's great. True. true. Thank you. I'm writing, I, I'm writing this all down. No, it's listen, like I get passionate about this stuff. I'm more passionate about the hands-on, like, because that's, to me, that's it's like the, the meat and potatoes, you know, like it's really nice to talk about theories, but let's talk about what actually is going to work and it, what's going to drive a business for it. It's not somebody sitting in an office coming up with an idea and putting unrealistic expectations on someone else. It's the people who are doing the work. So I'm always looking to make your processes simpler, smoother, easier. Like, like I always tell my clients, like, you shouldn't worry about CX. And if you're worried about CX, we have a problem, right? And what's nice is when we're there, they don't worry about it. When it's time for us to start unplugging, they're kind of like, oh my gosh, wait, oh boy, what are we going to do? Um, and that's when we leave with a good leader. But yeah, like Zendesk will work. We know how to make it work. I do a lot of Zendesk building build outs um and it's down to a science now and in addition to that um i'm taking this was more for e-commerce brands the simple one but it's just because i understand that um my thought is that it's probably if the person who needs to build it out is probably a newer manager and might want that hands-on experience so we give them like a whole guided walkthrough on how to set up um, zendesk um, professional for e-commerce yeah that's like that's a lot of really great top tips and i have writing that writing all of these down for, for future use um so we were just talking a lot about the like the e-commerce um side of it and we we did touch on the brick and mortar uh, earlier um but as we're as more companies are moving into uh, from brick and mortar whereas you have the stores in-person interaction you're able to really understand how people are feeling it's really easy to get that um customer experience really really good um, and as they move into more e-commerce um, first model, what are some of the things these you know, more legacy style or type brands need to be aware of or have like at the top of their mind during this, this transition? Yeah. Um, if you put emphasis on the wrong word, it changes the entire meaning of everything. Uh, don't rely on simple, good judgment from a person. Uh, literally write your canned replies and your in your messaging how do you want to be how do you want to greet the customer make that a shortcut or a macro um what you want to leave to the individual is the power to make some decisions because it makes them feel valuable but you have to give them parameters right so uh when you're engaging with a customer literally if they read your message wrong, it could turn the entire conversation in a way that none of us actually really wants <laughs> to see done, yeah. right? So um, be very careful with that and be very deliberate and be overly nice when you're in, in your writing communication, be overly nice. Um, you know, smiley faces help. And, you know, um, you know when, you, when someone um, joins the chat and you're like, 
hi, so nice to speak to you today. How can I help? Exclamation point, smiley face, if that's on brand for you. That's important because you need to make the person feel like you're not a burden. They're, they're not a burden to you. Um, yeah. So definitely going above and beyond. And then um, having a brand identity is going to be really important. What words do you use? What don't you use? And I'm always using Chick-fil-A as an example because the joke is, you know, you go to Chick-fil-A, you're always going to have a great experience, right? You're always going to have one. And if you don't, they're going to give you free food. And you already know that. So when I go, I'm expecting someone, you know, hi, how can I help you today? Very pleasant, smiling. And I know that when I say thank you, they're going to say it's my pleasure. Now, do they say that on the weekends? Probably not. But that is what's required for the business. So what's required for your business, right? Like with my team, they know that I treat my clients like family. We are very kind. We are very open. We are, you know, we go above and beyond consistently. If you're having a bad day, then I'm sorry. You just can't have one here. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a rep one time, not, not with my, not with my company, but um, um, an experience I had with a, with a, a vendor, actually a product I was buying and, and the lady writes to me and I was telling her, I said, you know, I was worried about our, my experience before, but, and I'm in CX, so this matters to me greatly, but you did a great job at recovering. And she goes, oh, I don't always have a good day. And I said, well, when you don't have a good day, use canned replies or macros. And I gave her a wink face. You're not, you don't get to have a bad day. You have to always have a good day. That's the nature of the beast, right? So I don't bring that into work. And I try to teach people not to do the same. Ty, thank you so much for spending this time with us. Um, I think we're inspired by your own story as a business owner um, and the work you are doing to help other business owners' dreams come true by giving them sort of the tools to provide this fantastic customer experience. I, without that, um, it's, really, it's really, really hard. So I think for our listeners who want to find out more about the services that you offer, they can visit your website at theworkforcepro.com. Yes. Um, are there any other ways to uh, get in touch with you? You can, you can check my, uh, my Instagram. Don't judge me. It's at the workforce pro. It's not great. Or at it's Ty Givens. That's my personal, um, email me Ty at the workforce pro. Like I'm, I answer the phone. I reply to the emails. Like we're not fancy like that. We just want to do really, really great work. So if you guys need help with anything, you want advice, you want real-time advice, there's a spot on the website to grab that time as well. That's amazing. Well, Ty, Thank you so much for joining us. We really enjoyed the conversation and we look forward to seeing how you're going to be enabling this crop of new businesses to set up for success. I'm so excited. Thank you guys. This was so much fun. Thank you. <laughs>